Hello, and welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I'm your host. Every Wednesday and Friday, I bring you interviews with female and non-binary makers of all kinds from all over the world. Today's guest is Eleanor Rose. Now, I actually had Eleanor Rose on really recently. Uh, Eleanor is a part of the dynamic duo, The Ladies Who Would. And so I interviewed her along with Stacy, who's the other half of that duo, uh, for episode 196. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, please hit pause, go listen to that, and then come right back over here to Eleanor's uh, single episode. So great time chatting with Eleanor, getting to learn about just her her story, her journey, and uh, diving a bit more into how she is a toolmaker, um, which is something you know that she does solo outside of working with the ladies who would. So excited to bring you this interview. Before we chat with Eleanor, though, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the Revolution Pod Squad over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Annette at 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin, Lefty's Woodshop, Christy, Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Sven, Dwarf Size Workshop, Rachel, Moody Makes, Bonnie, Tool Mom Bonnie, ToolMomStore.com, Laura, Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou, Made by Mary Lou, Brandy, Studio Obey, Lee, The Rainbow Carver, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you also very much for your continued and ongoing support helping me to produce two episodes a week, every week. If you would like to get your name added to this list, you certainly can. Just head on over to Patreon dot com forward slash crafting a revolution. I would love to see you join the pod squad over there. All right, let's head on into the interview with Eleanor Rose. And like before, um, I like to start with asking my guests to introduce themselves. So I'm going to let you do that. Uh, I'm Eleanor Rose. Um, yeah, I'm a toolmaker and an artist and Jane of all trades, I guess. <laughs> love it. Um, all right. So I want to know, I want to know your story. Like, where'd you grow up? What, you know, how'd you get to where you're at? Um, I grew up in a small little town in central California that is known for two things. It's, uh, the hot springs and, uh, the great peacock massacre of 1997. Um, Okay. It's just kind of a horrifying thing that happened in our town's history. So um, <laughs> now I will be Googling that after our chat. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they have scrubbed the internet, but I can um, I can email you the full the full thing. Um, okay. Yeah, short story that we had a giant peacock invasion and they destroyed like every roof in the town. So oh. Yeah. Okay. Peacocks are demon birds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so you grew up there. What was yeah. life like there? Uh, it was rural. It's like very like farm country. Um, yeah. 
and like I was close enough to like San Francisco that I had some like kind of like art ish um, experience, but it was mostly like my first job was working at an apple ranch and um, yeah, it was like very old school rural. Um, yeah. Is it a pretty like, like agricultural area or? Yeah, it's mostly ag where I was. It was like ag or you either did ag or you worked for a church. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how did you get from there to doing what you do? Well, like I, yeah, I knew pretty much from like I, the time I was five that I wanted to do art um, of some sort. I like obviously didn't understand how the art world worked, but um, and then like being in a rural town made me like want to escape it. I'm pretty sure that's you either. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Rumspringa, right? Like, yes. you, you <laughs> get out or you stay forever. Um, so yeah, I went to I went to New York City for undergrad. Um, like left and like took on copious amounts of debt just to get out of my little like tiny little fishbowl. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then like got a got a degree in sculpture with that. Um, yeah, it's a interesting experience. <laughs> what was it? I mean, <clears throat> did you? You knew you wanted to be an artist since you were five, but like, was there a certain type of art you thought you wanted to go into? I mean, was it always something, you know, 3D art kind of stuff? No, I was, I was a painting major for half of my time at, okay. um, in undergrad. Um, I think that was like my broadest concept of art really was like, you either do like figure figurative you know, clay or you paint. Because, um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't exposed as much as I would have liked to have been to like the more conceptual side of things. Um, so, yeah, I started off as a painter, like primarily like portraiture kind of stuff. Um, and then I got a work study gig in the wood shop and just kind of took off and like, yeah, really understood the material, really loved the material um and started making furniture and then my entire thesis ended up being like centered around like couches and tables um (laughs) I don't think my thesis advisor was super happy with that but um it made it made me happy so um yeah that was kind of the burgeoning moment was like the yeah getting that work study job okay and so I mean then you switched to sculpture yeah, I switched to sculpture after, like, I got that job in my sophomore year, um, okay. and then was like, oh, no, this is this is much better. <laughs> um, uh, not to disengaging, like, I still, I still really love to paint, but I was like, yeah, it just, like, made sense um, mm-hmm. to me a little more than the 2D stuff. It just kind of clicked. Um, I think that, like, runs in the family. My long after like when I was like 19 or 20 my mom like gave me the family um family tree and it was like oh okay like four or five generations back all the way back to Norway they were furniture makers and like woodworkers I was like man I could have like skipped all that um (laughs) yeah it was this whole thing um so 
yeah and like my dad's always been really good at like taking apart stuff and fixing it um he's basically kept our house running for way longer than it (laughs) we had any right to um yeah so yeah 3d just made sense okay yeah I what was it like I guess learning it besides the like man, I could have skipped that, all of that. What was it like to, uh, I guess, discover that history? It was interesting. I mean, I have like a weird kind of relationship with my past, like, or not my past, like, yeah, I have, I have an odd feeling about my history. Like I like completely got rid of my original last name and um yeah, like coming out was like this like very like weird moment. Um, but like back then I wasn't out and I was like super into it. And um, yeah, it was interesting to know that that like ran in the blood, but mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm a little uncomfortable with it. It's like, does that mean free will exists or doesn't or like, <laughs> um, yeah, it got, it got very existential there for a minute. I was like, I can't do it. <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I, I definitely, I can relate to that. I have, um, like my great, great grandfather was a woodworker. Um, and the little, like, I don't actually know my biological father, but the little bit that I know about him, he was like in construction. So, you know, making with his hands. Um, <clears throat> and so it's very similar as like, I know, knew actually at a young age that it was in my history but it was like it was interesting because I guess when I grew up definitely grew up in the era of like no we don't go into things that we work with our hands we go into things that like put you in front of a computer all day like you know pushing university and like careers that did not align with building Uh, (laughs) so yeah interesting so, okay. So you get your undergrad. Um, and I know at some point you made your way back to California just from the first um, interview with you and Stacy. Yeah. So How did you make your way back to California? Well, I had convinced myself I hated New York City, um, <laughs> which I don't think was true. I like absolutely hated myself. Um, so, but I like made a big like run for it to like, in an effort to like, escape what I thought was the problem Mm -hmm. um like the day I graduated I was um I was out I just like zoomed out of there yeah Um, yeah and so then I had to live with my parents for like two months three months and then I moved up to San Francisco um and got some little shop jobs in um yeah colleges and that was like the and that's where I met Stacy. So, um, yeah, and then it like flew into this. We like Stacy and I moved to LA together to like I I quit a really well-paying job. Like I was that I was the head of a metal shop um, at a school, and like I was yeah like could live in San Francisco and be fine. And right. um, uh, but I was like I was so missing making stuff so I was like I'm just gonna go get some kind of like maker job down in LA because LA was so much cheaper than San Francisco 
Um, which is uh, crazy which, to me because LA is crazy. so expensive. <laughs> yeah. Wild. Um, yeah. yeah. And like Stacy's sisters lived down there. And uh, so, like, and I was friends with them. And Stacy was going all around the country. I'll let her tell that story. But um, yeah. Um, yeah. So it was like nice to know people down there. And then, uh, but then I like hated, hated the fab job that I got. Um, the yeah it was just like a weird very like destructive like masculine toxic masculinity environment um so I quit that really soon and then I got a job at another college because that seems to be like what I do um (laughs) and I was I was a drawing studio coordinator so I got to like uh, at uh, LMU and I met like one of my favorite people there um hi Jane (laughs) um (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, so I, we ended up doing that for a while and then went to, like, it, the intention was always to just spend a year in LA and then go to grad school, because okay. um, that seemed right, especially after the 2020 election. It was like, yeah, yeah. well, we might as well skip the next three years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So... I mean, I'll I'll let you decide how comfortable or not you are, but I am interested in in understanding a bit how, uh, I guess, like coming out plays into into your story. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I didn't come out until what is it three three years ago? A little less than three years ago. Okay. Um, and. So like I was like playing the part of the straight white man through the first two years of uh, undergrad or not undergrad, sorry, grad school. And I had like kind of come out in undergrad very briefly. And then I like snuck back into the closet. Um, <laughs> yeah, like the minute my parents started asking questions, I was like, nope, can't do it. Um, so, um, But yeah, I like finally was just like, I just can't like deal with um I can't deal with it anymore like the 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 egg cracked as mm-hmm. um as the trans lingo is um and I I don't know my art was like always about how unhappy I was in certain situations and then up until and then like after that after I came out I was like oh, okay I'm like making transition art basically um mm-hmm. so my thesis ended up being a like a narrative of my coming out because I could like, I was like making all the work in line with taking big steps <laughs> in my transition. Um, yeah, and then like Stacy and I had been talking about collaborating for so long and then it finally like everything aligned. It was like, oh, okay, like we can make these like, what's it, what is it like to be a woman? Like, what is it like for our like different socializations? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, instead of like the straight white man kind of narrative. Um, yeah, I don't know. Stacy always asked if I was gay, and like she just never. Un- yeah, she never uh, realized that I was a lesbian. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, and and I know she kind of <laughs> she mentioned briefly in the the joint interview about you know <clears throat> exploring the idea of femininity femininity yeah with you kind of like in 
probably all throughout your collaboration around this issue, I would imagine, <clears throat> or around this um, thought. How, I mean, I know you went to grad school in at Madison, which to be fair, Madison's like one of the queerest communities like yeah. in the Midwest, um, <laughs> which we have very few beacons in the Midwest. I will say that. Um, yeah, but, it's, it's one of the gayer cities I've lived in. Um, and I lived in San Francisco, so. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you feel like being, do you feel like being in that community like gave you the support and resources to kind of get over that I guess the hurdle of the parents asking questions and stuff like that <laughs> um yeah I think I think knowing that I was in a safe space like if I were to do it in the community we're here we're in now I like don't I don't think I would have um come out and yeah, it was like, a, it was a nice safe space. I was in a nice safe environment where they like literally couldn't fire me for coming out. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and like the fact that, uh, I mean, Wisconsin is a, um, oh, I always forget the term. It's a, you don't need like, there's like no gatekeeping around transness. Like I, the day I came out is the day I got estrogen, um, which is, like lovely, that's how it always should be. Um, informed consent, that's the term. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and like my health insurance was like super good with trans care and like, yeah, it was just like, everything seemed to be like, everything lined up really, really well. Um, and yeah, I did feel like super supportive. Like I could go to the bars immediately and not like feel out of place, even though I was like in that kind of weird, like, half hair grown out yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah it was uh and i mean like uh, and then of course like COVID hit <laughs> so um i didn't get to take i've never gotten to take full advantage of like the super liberal cities that i've been in <laughs> i feel like i really squandered san francisco um but that's okay <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe after COVID you can do like a gay tour and just like yeah. do every <laughs> liberal city. <laughs> That's the hope. That's the dream. <laughs> hey makers, today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com. At toolmomstore.com, you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs, they've got shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag woodworker on it. And I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well. Um, and also, great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout if you enter the code maker mom you will get a 20 percent discount off any of the merchandise that you buy so that's just toolmomstore.com all right let's head back into the action um i mean i think that's like that's amazing as far as like the trans care and everything like that like i was not aware of that I would suspect that that is not the case in Iowa. Um, 
given our current uh, head of government here and um, how hellbent they are against like, you know, yeah, just females <laughs> to start with and then from there. Um, <laughs> so <clears throat> I would suspect that's not the case. Um, I do want to ask about, because I, I am very aware of it still being, like, I've never understood why the, within the queer community, we have to, like, be prejudiced against groups of ourselves. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I have never understood that. I never will understand that. Because um, I'm like, let's just marginalize the marginalized, because right. that's what we do. Um <laughs> So was, has there been any, um, have you experienced any of that being a, a trans woman in, you know, the queer community? Has there been any um, not downside? Not particularly with the queer community. Um, but then again, I like, yeah, I've, I've always been very careful to like surround myself with people who I deem safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I did, I did end up dropping a few friends when I came out just cause they were like, not but they weren't part of the queer community. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's getting better with the youths, um, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, and like being that, yeah, like an elder millennial, I feel like I'm, like I can still kind of tap into some of that, um, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah, I haven't had much of an issue um, being like accepted or anything, but um, yeah, it's more like, feeling weird in like, I don't know, my like jobs. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's, That's I mean, that's totally, that's totally fair. Like, um, I mean, (laughs) it's still seen as, I don't think it's actually the truth, but it's still seen as like, not even of space for like, assigned and identified as female at birth uh yeah <laughs> in the in the in these trade spaces right in yeah. any of the trade spaces um well and i've had yeah and i've had that i've had the conversation with stacy of like sometimes i feel like i have like more authority placed on me because it's like i used to be a guy quote unquote right. um which feels like also like stupid and like, yeah, it's like, that's like super transphobic and weird. Um, yeah. yeah, it's like, it's such a dumb dichotomy of like, so someone might come to me over Stacy, but then they'll also like hate me more than Stacy. Mm-hmm. It's such an odd. But I, I, I told, I actually, un, I, it's odd, but I understand where it's coming from. And I think it's coming from because we still set the standard of what is the best thing yeah. <laughs> to be in the world is a cis het white male. Yeah. Yeah. They're the high, they're at the top of the pyramid, right? And so it's like we all judge ourselves where yeah. we rank in that hierarchy. And so we continue to uphold that standard because we still keep them at the top right (laughs) we're always trying to be as good as instead of just being like no we're like solid just on our own selves yeah (laughs) (laughs) like 
not in comparison to, but just as our own selves. Yeah, like you said last week, like we can build our own seats at the table. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, I I actually get that. And, you know, I listen to, um, funny as it may be, I really actually don't listen to any maker podcast anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I listen to like all the self-helpy type podcasts. So I listen to um, Glennon Doyle's We Can Do Hard Things podcast, which mm. is just beautiful um and they actually talked about that they had an episode talking specifically around gender um issues and they said that like it's portrayed as a threat by the top of the pyramid the biggest threat to the top of the pyramid is seen as a trans woman because like you gave up the the privilege <laughs> of being at the top <clears throat> yeah that's, yeah yeah I do I do yes well and that's like the stupid argument is like of like oh well they're like trans women are being are like sneaking into bathrooms and right it's like, no like why what <laughs> no, no why would I choose to make my life harder by doing this it's like because right. it's the only way I could like keep living right. um yeah like yeah and I I mean I did have every opportunity handed up handed to me at you know up until a certain point um mm -hmm. which is yeah like terrible and for like in comparison to the rest of the world um like that shouldn't be what happens but like yeah it was like being socialized that way like some some things are great about it like I don't have the same like uh fear of like taking up space that um cis women do um because like i just like wasn't i didn't need to worry about that right um, yeah i don't know I, there's like give there's gives and takes to being trans i think like yeah. i think a lot of it is really hard and then but a lot of it's like really magical mm -hmm. um yeah 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 i totally i mean i totally <laughs> imagine so and i'm right there with you about the why would i choose to make my that i've had those exact <clears throat> arguments with my family around just my gayness you yeah know, like because they fully believe it is a choice and um and i'm like yes i would choose <laughs> yeah uh remove privilege from myself and uh make life much harder um yeah. that is a choice i totally logically made because people do that um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i definitely understand yeah um do you feel like you still like in your collaboration work um or even i guess in your in your solo work do you feel like that comes out some of that dichotomy that you're talking about do you does that come out in your work yeah i mean i mean so much of our our collaborative work is i mean like our collaborative work is now our work like we don't really make solo work um now that we know this is working <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we i mean so much of it so much of it is just talking through stuff and like each piece has a very different meaning than what it means to Stacy, or not very different, but you know, it's like yeah. there is 
there is a big difference in the way that we like perceive femininity and perceive ourselves in as women and um so yeah like I think that they that it, it's very different each piece has like all these different readings which I mean I think is like the great thing about art right you yeah. could put your own you could put your own um yeah interpretation on yeah. on these things um but yeah like I I don't know like my my view of a lot of the stuff is like based around transition and like that's why I like to put grit like it's why I like to sneak gradients into everything so I kind of imply that and um, <laughs> yeah I yeah I think it's um I mean it's hard to not like I don't think trans is everything that I am but it's like obviously there right like right, yeah. so it's gonna sneak into kind of everything like unless I'm just like yeah doing like a dining table commission or something like that like that's probably yeah. not a trans table but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well um I I, I want to circle back to something you kind of said like it wasn't until you came out and then that you felt like you could go in on this collaboration yeah with, with Stacy. like why do you feel like it took that like to feel like you could collaborate on this line of work? I mean, I don't think I was like, I don't, I mean, I wasn't running on like the full energy that I could be. Um, like so much of my own life was like focused on my own unhappiness and like staying alive. Like yep. that was it. Um, so like now I can actually think about those things, but I also have more to give instead of being like this angry little um idiot <laughs> um, if that makes sense like yeah and I don't I mean I wasn't I had all these things to say but I wasn't saying them it was like mm -hmm. most of my most of my work was yeah centered around like how much I moved around which is like stupid because like the moving around was a direct like reaction to not being happy with myself so it's like change everything else right <laughs> um, yeah and like I mean we were both interested in the idea of like femininity but I couldn't say that um so I think that's that's more why it like it was fine and like I was more of a material junkie then like I was more interested in like being like makery like really like hardcore makery so i didn't want to like throw too much into like thinking about stuff because think i mean thinking about stuff is obviously like an internal dialogue right and then yeah. like i hated being alone with my own thoughts um i still occasionally do but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah i think i think it just took like me being an actual person to like mm -hmm. fully push the collaboration to a point where it works yeah, again, that resonates. I've actually been thinking a lot about like how much time of my life I spent essentially living like dual lives. You know, there was yeah. a very long period of time where it was like I was out to friends and like had relationships, but I was not out to family. Yeah. And so <clears throat> that meant I lived dual lives and it's like remembering like so much energy just being like okay 
what's like the story in this space and like what's the story in this space like yeah. <laughs> you know remembering like and not even like giving myself even in the spaces where I I was out I still always had the fear of being discovered in those spaces and so like I never dove into like who am I as a person <laughs> and like yeah it's, it's like I'm a ball of anxiety. Yeah, that's, that's it. Yep. <laughs> my entire personality. Um, yeah, I mean, keeping track of all that stuff is so exhausting. It it's is. like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how anyone, like, I don't know how I was even like vaguely functional. <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely. So I also want to talk about your tool making. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, how did that get started? Well, so I, I graduated from college in New York, and I had one hand plane to my name. That was the only tool I owned. Um, and, like, I had all these, I had, like, the, like, start of a skill set and then nothing to do <laughs> anything with um so like the minute I got into a shop I well I had actually I bought anarchist tool chest um from lost art press uh and not to like be free ad space but they're, <laughs> they're great um, yeah uh so I bought that read it like cover to cover twice I think um and it like it just resonated that I could like I, th I think there's only a couple things in there that's like make your own pinch sticks and your own winding sticks. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, oh, oh yeah, I could just make these things. Um, and I happened to be in a shop where we were um, encouraged to like learn everything that the students were learning. So, and they had a beautiful machine shop. Um, and so I like, I just started making my own tools and that's where it like started. It wasn't for anyone else, but me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I, so it just like, it started with that and um, I just fell in love with it. And then my, one of my disciplines in, I don't even know if that's the correct term. It wasn't my major. It was like my under major in <laughs> undergrad was um, bronze casting. And so at a certain point, I was like, oh, yeah, I should just combine those two things because <laughs> I was doing like making like belt buckles and stuff um, like super like dude mask kind of yeah, yeah. stuff, uh, stuff in undergrad. And so I was like, oh, well, OK, like, yeah, I like loved casting. I loved everything about that process. Um, and yeah, I was lucky enough to have a like an amazing mentor in undergrad and then in grad school is when I like really started like the first semester there, I like really started to experiment with the, the high polish bronze tools. Cause before that I was just kind of making, I was doing a lot of machining work, which is not exactly like time conducive. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. That's fair. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And like, yeah, the machining just was never like, it was it was just too much material and too much time and like it was a, it was a really good thing for me to learn like especially as a woodworker I think machining like kind of tuned my eyes to be yeah. like 
work a little finer and like look for the like oh that's a sandpaper scratch that I should probably get out mm-hmm. um yeah that's my, that's one of the main things I recommend to people who ask they're like what what should I do to like get better I'm like learn any kind of machining like when you have to work to a thousandth of an inch or a, like yeah a hundred thousandth of an inch you like kind of like just mm-hmm. your brain like does a little like boop yeah. um yeah so like I still I still do machine I like it but only if it serves like the, to save time um so but yeah like bronze casting is like my there's something about molten bronze that I just like love <laughs> it's like the sexiest material <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I don't know and then the, yeah I, I started getting a little bit of attention um but really it's been this last like summer that things really started to take off for the the tool making and like got some major recognition by some major people which is really nice um is that i mean so you you're making tools but then also doing tool restoration yeah i mean i'm still building my collection and like i i can i counted up the other day and it's like i only own two new tools which is like kind of an kind of a cool thing to say um I mean, I, I don't know if that, does that make me sound like a douche? No, no. <laughs> um, I just, I think that there are plenty of tools in the world already that are just like waiting to be cleaned up. Um, like I really would like to write a book on how to like restore a whole collection of tools. I think that would be like helpful. Cause like I'm learning, I learned all of it. I'm like, see to my pants, I ruined a couple things. Like, um, yeah. And like, I don't think, I don't think you need to buy all the new like doodads and like as beautiful as like bridge city tool works things are like they don't need all the you don't need all the little buttons and the right right dials and like um yeah I just think and like yeah again that's coming from a tool maker who's trying to shill a lot of it (laughs) but um yeah I I I think I think refurbishing your own stuff is like really empowering I think it's one of the more empowering things that I've done for myself um and so yeah I re- I don't ever sell I don't really ever sell the refurbished tools they're always like they go in my like special cabinet um and then I rarely use them because tool making is such a like I need like a square and a foundry and then I'm done <laughs> <laughs> which seems kind of silly but um yeah I don't know I use I tend to not get I tend to get rid of a tool if I haven't used it in three years but like that seems to be the like round about <laughs> I, I have like tiny little things that I only use once to like square up one machine every three years. So mm-hmm. I keep those. But, yep. Um. Hey makers. So today's podcast episode is sponsored in part by Alicia Van Osdahl, who is the owner of Basil Blue Design Company. Alicia is a maker of all things, really. Her focus is on beautiful craftsmanship through woodworking, repurposing, refinishing art and sculpture. Her background includes 30 years of graphic design, logos, and branding. If you have an idea or concept that and need a creative solution or graphic design, you can email Alicia directly at Alicia, and that is A-L-I-C-I-A at basilblue.com. Or you can visit her website at www.basilblue.com. 
Com. And fun fact, uh, Alicia actually designed the logo for Crafting a Revolution. So that is an example of the impeccable work you can expect if that is something you are in the market for. So be sure to look up Alicia again at her website, basilblue.com. All right, let's get back into the action. So how do you have access? Do you have access to Foundry? I have, I own a little, little baby. A little. <laughs> um, yeah, there. It wasn't even that expensive, but um, it was like it was worth the money to like have some freedom. Um, and most most of my tools, like I'm not casting big like hundred pound batches or anything. I'm doing like yeah, I'm doing like little one off, like mm-hmm. one pound one pounders. Um, and yeah, I just think that. Yeah, there's something about having freedom. I think like the that was always the goal in my undergrad was to like not ever pay taxes again and like just be like completely off the grid. I mean, not that that like will ever happen, but um, yeah, I, th- I think being self sufficient is really nice because yeah, Stacy and I have been doing this moving around thing so long, and it's like I'm I'm really tired of it. <laughs> um, and it's getting to it's gotten to the point where we don't actually like need the shops but we used to really need the shops um right which is yeah like which is hard it's hard to be dependent on finding a job or finding a residency or like begging shop space off of someone for a few months um mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i think it's so totally does that, does that mean like the collaborative work you guys do when you're making like the the wood pieces i'm thinking like the cabinet and stuff that you guys like are you making it all with hand tools? Oh goodness, no, no. Okay. We're 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 in a shop right now. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, like the dream is to open up our own shop space and do like a a woo thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Try to run um, classes for like underrepresented folks. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we are we're we are absolutely using machines. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that would be crazy. <laughs> As much as I want to be that person, I don't think I ever will be. I like I, I like machines too much, and I like speed. Like the part of being like, doing fab work for a minute was like, okay, like you gotta like you can't take an hour to plane something. Like it needs yep. to be done now. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's the um, you know I've I've when I lived in California briefly. Uh, for a little over four years, I definitely, you know, at that time, it was not the Krenov school. It was the school of the Redwoods. Mm. Um, and I definitely was like drooling over possibly trying to go there and, and learn woodworking there. And I still would lo- like, it is definitely a dream to take a class from Laura Mays. Like I totally want to do that someday. Um, <clears throat> but I also like, I'm like, uh, I really, that's why I don't like hand carve either. Like, I just don't have the patience for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I want to get this stuff done. Um, not because it's not like enjoyable, but there's just something about like getting to the end vision a totally. little bit quicker. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> It's like, yeah, there's that satisfying moment where you're like, it's done. Yes. And like, if you can get to that point in a single day, you're like, I'm a winner. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
exactly. Um, though I do think almost to your point about like, uh, you know, being able to like learning to machine stuff and honing your skill, like honing your eyes that way. I think you can get something similar by learning to do stuff with hand tools. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, I mean, I, like I have a, a jack plane. That's the only plane I own that's like functional. Um, I think I mentioned in the last, like I have a box from my like father-in-law who passed oh, right, yes. a few years ago, but they are not functional. <laughs> so I have not used them. Um, and I love the finish that I get mm-hmm. when I use my jack plane, but it comes back to again of like speed. But um it was like going through class and we had to learn like the very first thing we had to learn how to do was to like sharpen and use a card scraper and sharpen and use a chisel and same with the plane <laughs> like that was like and and from there we actually never like it wasn't a requirement to use the like to use the hand tools stuff but it taught me enough about like you're talking about like the the scratches from sandpaper yeah like you can notice those when you've used like a good sharp plane and realize like there are no tool marks. Yeah. (laughs) If you do that. Uh, So I think it uh, uh, hones your eyes to more details and makes you a better user of power tools. Yes, totally. Yeah. Well, I'm like, yeah, my, my big one with that, that kind of, thing was like the first time I used a shooting board I was like oh this is square this is okay (laughs) (laughs) the chops out there not not, square no not square nope (laughs) yes yeah Uh, which is always a popular debate like the only like I don't like I don't personally own a table saw I've got a bandsaw uh and a miter saw and I have, I strive to continue to make work that does not require to be square because yeah. I am not ever going to get that from those tools. I mean, I could, but it would take a lot of work to dial them in to be square. Yeah. Well, and then like, yeah, the minute like you'll like cut a nail or something and then yes. you'll have to take it all apart. Um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's the big thing. <laughs> Yeah, square's a nightmare. Like, I, th- I mean, I think that's some of the reason, too, that I like casting is, like, one, it's quick, it's, like, molten, and then it's not. Yep. And then I can just, like, grind the exterior and be done. Um, yeah, that's, like, <laughs> unless, of course, I'm doing, like, yeah, a hand plane, but I stopped making those because I don't like it. <laughs> it has to be square on all three sides to yes. sell it? What? <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, exa- I mean, that's why I power carve too. Like I, I said multiple times on the podcast, like I'm the only one who knows what I want that thing to look like. And right. if I screw it up, nobody else knows <laughs> but me. <laughs> totally, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if I accidentally take off too much material, well, I can just change the design on a fly and nobody is the wiser. So. Yeah. If you, but if you don't get, you know, a, a square um, glue up edge and you're doing a big glue up table, that is noticeable. Like, oh, yeah. that, you know, <laughs> that is a clear mistake to everybody yeah. else. Yeah. 
Yeah, Wibbly Wobbly is much better. Yes. I, I, personally, I think. I mean, that, yeah, that's why I like Windsor chairs too. Is it's like, does it not fit? Well, you just bend it into place. <laughs> that's right. I mean that. Yeah, again, I think that's why Stacy and I work so well together is because she's got that like. She's like, I everything has to be square, and I'm like, but why? Yes. <laughs> Are you sure it does? Yes. <laughs> so, as part of the, I mean. How much do you, I guess, let, let's let's get uh, honest here. How much do you two drive each other nuts? Uh, it's, I mean, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is Stacy going to listen to this episode? Um, no, we, <laughs> we, I mean, we fight. We, we don't like hate each other. Um, right. right. Like, I mean, obviously we don't hate each other. Like we're like, she's my best friend. Um and like, yeah, we occasionally get in arguments. We don't really argue about the work. We like, we don't communicate well to each other in the work because we are so polar. We're like oftentimes saying the same thing, but in just like the vastly different ways. Uh, <laughs> and like, it'll be like, no, but I'm, I mean this. And then like, I'll draw it. And then she'll be like, yeah, that. And I'll be like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, damn. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, we, we have a lot of fun, like, doing this. And, like, I think I think that's the key to, like, any good collaboration is, like, knowing that you're going to fight and not abandoning something, you know? I mean, it's like, it's like a, we're, like, basically, like, shop married, right? Yes, yes <laughs> you are. <laughs> Which I will say, maybe learning those skills there will provide a, a better marriage like real life marriage yeah. <laughs> outside of the shop um <clears throat> how i mean i'm intrigued do you think you did you ever intend to get like so much into collaborative work i don't think so i like we were both pretty protective of our solo work for a while um yeah, like Stacy right out of undergrad and then me like right towards the end of grad school. We were both kind of like, no, we'll do the collaborative thing on the side and then like we'll like do a couple pieces like that a year and then like mostly work on our own stuff. And I mean, we've both gone back and forth so many times on how we feel about that. But like we make better work together. Mm -hmm. um, like I, yeah, I don't have the same eye that, eye that she does or the same like design kind of mm -hmm. DNA and I and like we both have not conflicting ideas but like divergent yeah. ideas um but when they combine I think they're kind of fire yeah yeah <laughs> I mean we yeah the, this show we have up in Kentucky right now is the it's like the best things we've ever made ever um mm -hmm. which I think is like yeah it's kind of special yeah. um and I think more people need to collaborate um, and should collaborate. And like, I, yeah, I mean, we're like, we're looking for teaching jobs right now because um, our residency is gonna end in like seven months. Mm -hmm. And we, we really wanna teach together because it's like, yeah, it's super fun to do it together and we work so well together. Um, right. Yeah, I just, yeah, I think it's something that like, you really, really have to check your ego at the door um, and that's really hard for makers and artists and like, like, like probably the hardest thing for everyone to do. Um, 
because yeah, you are, you do end up being like really protective of your own stuff. But yeah, I think we got over the hump of like being too like precious about our own ideas to the point where it's like, yeah, this is like way better than any, like I don't ever want to make work alone again, Mm -hmm. Um, which is kind of a cool thing to like acknowledge. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sitting here going like, uh, I don't know if I could. Like, I've, you know, I've talked about, like, I've talked with other makers about wanting, because I admire their work, like wanting to try to collaborate. But usually when we're having those conversations, it's like, well, I would do one part of the build and you would do one part of the build. Right. And it would come together to make a single thing. But it's not like, no, we would work together to yeah. build one thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's I think that's one of the the steps in collaboration, right? Like I mean, we do like we will take bigger leads on projects depending on like like I yeah, I took the lead on the Windsor chair um piece because it was like, well, I know how to build them all like I'll ask for, yeah, I will ask for your help. I will teach you how to make them along the way and we will work collaboratively that way. But like the idea was this like fully commingled kind of thing. Um, And like on the, on the little um, Bonaire de Jure, like she took the lead because it's carcass work that I don't know how to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I learned a lot watching her and um, yeah, but we, that's like when people say collaborative work, oftentimes they do mean like, well, I'll make it and you paint it. Um, (laughs) And like, I think that's the first real step. Um, Cause like we did, we did some of that work in grad school. Um, Like Stacy would build something and I would like do a little mechanical machined portion for it. Um, So yeah, I think, I think collaborations take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Just, like just to even get to a functional place and I don't blame people for not having the patience for it because yeah it's like really kind of hard to conceptualize anything outside of, or like inside of this like weird like oh no we're like one person thinking mm-hmm. but like also like fighting each other <laughs> yep yeah yeah, yeah absolutely well, Eleanor, we're like right up to the end of our time together. Okay. <laughs> so I want to give you a chance, though, to let people know like where you want them to find you and follow along with you. Uh, yeah, predominantly use Instagram. I'm uh, at off underscore artisan. And you can follow our collaborative ventures at uh, Ladies Who Would um yeah awesome. thanks so much for having me on yeah yeah I enjoyed learning more about your individual story yeah um, yeah thank you so much yeah thanks and I think you have Stacy tomorrow right I think so <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> maybe I could, I'll get to overhear it there you go <laughs> All right Right, Pod Squad. So again, that was Eleanor Rose. I'll include the links on how you can follow along with her on her own account, as well as a refresher on how to find the ladies who would in the description for today's episode. So you can find that on your podcast app you listen on, or if you happen to be watching this on YouTube, check out the description box down below. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, especially over on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, also, head on over to Instagram, follow along with the podcast. Did you know the podcast had an Instagram account? It is at Crafting a Revolution over on Instagram. And if you head over there right now, so today when this gets released, which will be technically the end of Tuesday the 21st and the start of Wednesday the 22nd. I still have up in the stories over there a poll about potentially starting a newsletter for those of you who listen to the podcast. So if that sounds like something, I guess either way, if you're down for that or if you're not down for that, please head on over to at Crafting Revolution on Instagram and answer that poll for me in the stories if you would please because I'm trying to trying to decide. Should I be going that route or not going that route? So I would love to hear what you guys would like to see um, as I continue to take the journey of the podcast further. So when I am not making the podcast, though, you can find me designing and making furniture and home decor and doing power carving and adding bright, bold, beautiful color to woodwork over at freemanfurnishings.com and at Freeman Furnishings across pretty much all of social media. I'm active though on a daily basis over on Instagram for sure. So come on over at Freeman Furnishings, say hi, uh, tell me that you found me through the podcast. I always love to hear that. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you over there. All right, it is Wednesday. I should let you know that there will not be a Friday episode this week. Uh, last weekend was my birthday. And so this is my birthday present to myself as we get ready to head out of town for a family vacation to celebrate birthday. Um, I decided not to have to uh, <laughs> be scrambling up to the last minute and have a very late night the night before. So that is all to say. This will be the only episode for this week, but I will be back again next week, next Wednesday, with an episode with Stacy, the other half of ladies, ladies Who Would. All right. So, as always, have a great rest of your week. Have a good weekend, since I won't talk to you before then. And let's go craft a revolution. She, her, fan, fan, got